Hey everybody, it's Dan. You're listening to the Field Goals Podcast, a surprise bonus midweek edition. Because I got a little bit of a bug this morning, and I, I don't mean the kind that makes you call in sick to work. Not even the kind related to, oh, this damn forest fire smoke. For those of you in the Seattle area, my goodness. One of the most beautiful Indian summers we've ever experienced. Um, really kind of dampered, or dampened? Dampered. No, if it was dampened, we wouldn't have it. Um, enough with the wordplay. Forest fire smoke everywhere. Uh, it's really, really tough here right now. Um, uh, didn't think I felt it at the Seahawks game Sunday. Maybe you hear it in my voice a little bit. But the next day, boy, really felt the effects of being outside. Um, in 87 degree weather on Sunday at Lumen Field in the middle of October. Crazy. But here's the bug I got. Those of you who have listened to my uh, previous podcast, um, either the Dan Cave or the Emerald City Sportscaster, or heard me on other Seahawks podcasts, know that I'm a little bit of a mock draft enthusiast, to put it lightly. In fact, let's just call a spade a spade. I'm a little bit addicted to it. I love mock drafts. I love the speculation of it. I love working through different scenarios and strategies and seeing how things fall. Uh, it's fascinating to me if, uh, you know, we've all played this game. Hey, what would you do if you could do it all over again, right? Would you do anything differently? Or if you could do anything you want to do, if a genie came down and asked what your three wishes were, one of mine would be that I would, I would want to be working in a front office. I mean, I'm just, I'm as fascinated as what happens outside the lines, behind the scenes in the, in the front office as I am on the field. The team building aspect of it, putting all those pieces together, taking risks, having a philosophy, sticking to it or not and uh, and seeing if it comes together or not. And the Seahawks are deep in that process right now. You know, we've called it a rebuild, uh, reset, step back, whatever the Seahawks aren't calling it a rebuild, never have. And now we're six weeks into the season. Seahawks are three and three, tied first place in the NFC West. Geo, Geno Smith is exceeding everyone's expectations. The rookie class continues on a week-in, week-out basis to get kudos. Brian Baldinger, again, who has really fallen in love with a lot of the pieces of this Seahawks roster did one of his breakdowns today where he highlighted all six of the rookies who are contributing out of this rookie class. And it's, it's pretty spectacular. And when you think that Derek Young hasn't really made a contribution yet, Bo Melton is on the practice squad. Don't know if he will, but Tariq Smith, uh, out of Ohio state who they had high hopes as an edge player uh, on season ending IR. So he'll be part of next year's rookie class. Really? There's a lot of talk at this point about is this the best rookie class the Seahawks have ever had? And some people will stop you and go, wait a minute. What about the one that built the foundation for the Super Bowl team? Well, people forget that was two rookie classes put together. It really started in 2011. And then 2012 was Bobby Wagner, Russell Wilson, et cetera. But 2011 is when they... 2010 really is Earl Thomas, Russell Okung in the 2011. If, if I'm doing this correctly, was camp chancellor. So it didn't all come in the same draft class, but what these rookies have done is remarkable. And what Geno Smith has done has begun to change the perspective of what might be possible as the Seahawks get deeper into this rebuild. And you start to see that maybe this isn't a three or four year plan solely contingent 
on picking the right quarterback in the first round next year and hoping that guy is the real deal immediately. That's usually not the best recipe for a successful rebuild. Because typically, if you're drafting in the top three, where you're getting a shot at guys like, you know, name all the first picks in the last five or six years, right? The Baker Mayfields and Kyler Murrays. Usually you're picking first for a reason or in the top five for a reason. And there's a reason that a lot of those guys don't ever meet expectations because they're dropped into disadvantageous situations. There is already talk about how the Seahawks are interested, maybe interested, and it may be the wise thing to do to extend Geno Smith. Sign him to a two or three year deal, give him market value, give him $20 million a year. That's about the number uh, Brock Heward put on it at Seattle Sports on 710. Uh, given his age and his, and his experience as a backup, and, and um, that seems reasonable. And that takes the pressure. It does two things. It takes the pressure off you to have to pick the right guy and potentially sell out some of your draft resources to move up and get that guy. If you decide C.J. Stroud's the guy or Bryce Young is the guy or Will Levis is the guy, well, now we got to take some of that draft resources that we've, we've acquired, accumulated from the Broncos, which is looking better by the week, by the way. Um, and we might have to sell some of that to move up to get the guy that we want. And in doing so, cost yourself the opportunity to add other pieces. And as we look at this roster right now, despite the fact the defense made a terrific turnaround this week against the Arizona Cardinals and looked really good, we also know that that Cardinals, Cardinals offense is struggling and has some issues and may not be the best test in the world. But we did see some better things out of the defense. This much is clear, and I've talked about it on the show already. They're missing some studs. There just aren't enough difference makers in that front seven. There just aren't. There aren't enough guys or any guys, really. I can make the argument there isn't one guy in that front seven that the opposing offensive coordinator loses any sleep over, trying to game plan for. The Seahawks need to build that. And so I wanted to play around with some mock drafts and see if, can we have a dynamic defensive draft and fill some of the significant holes on this roster Build it around Geno Smith a little bit for now, but also add your quarterback of the future at some point. And the first one out of the shoot this morning, I got so excited about, I thought, you know what? I want to share this with some people because I know a lot of you love mock drafts as well. And up until this point, I thought it was a little too early, but now I don't. I think it's time. So here's what I did. I went to uh, the fine folks at Pro Football Network have a great mock draft simulator. Uh, you can do it on your phone even. And the thing I love about theirs is it's not perfect. A lot of their scouting reports aren't filled in in detail yet, but they do have their rankings. And Tony Pauline is the lead guy there at Pro Football Network. Highly respected. Uh, tremendous history as a, as a scout. Um and so it gives you an idea. It's not perfect. It's not going to mirror what the NFL thinks of these players in April, certainly. But it gives you an idea. And the other thing I like about their simulator is it's extremely fast. You can set it on a fast setting if you want to. So you can, it just zips 
right to your team's next pick. You can you get trade offers, you can consider some of those, et cetera. Um, and that's about the only one out there right now. Because uh, I don't know what's going on over at the Draft Network. Those guys have been a tremendous resource since they launched that thing a few years ago. Um, a lot of brain power over there and a lot of hard work, but but their their site's been under some significant reconstruction and they don't have any of their rankings up for next year. Their their draft simulator um is is not operable right now. So we went with uh, the guys at the Draft Network. I did a five-round mock. And here's a disclaimer right off the top. Here's the way we're going to do this. I don't know all these guys intimately. I haven't had a chance to dig into Cuddy's cut-ups and start watching the top five at every position and watching the, the all 22 and and the isolated stuff. And But what I did is at each spot in the draft is I kind of looked at what was available positionally. And then I would take two or three names and look at them and spend a little time looking at them. And it, it serves as an idea, as a blueprint. And so when I give you these names, understand that I'm not saying this is the absolute best player that they're going to be able to pick at that spot but it gives you an idea of what could be done. Could be someone else at the same position, another name from another school that flashes between now and then, or as, as, as these uh, lists and certainly as the Seahawks own draft board gets dialed in. Um, but I think it does give you an idea what you can do at the quarterback position too, without having to sacrifice the ability to build other parts of your roster as well. Uh, for those of you watching on the live stream, uh, I'm going to screen share this, okay? Um, and if you're listening to this, you're in your car or whatever, you want to go back to it, go to the Emerald City Sportscast YouTube page, or if you uh, follow me on Twitter, at Seahawks Forever, um, it posts there as well, and I'll pin it to my profile also. And you can go back and watch it so you can see the names and kind of follow along. So I just want to jump right into it. First of all, let's take this banner out of the way so you can see it all. Here's the draft class. So as the draft stands today, the Seahawks would own the fifth and the 14th pick in the draft. And this, this shows you how tightly bunched the bulk of the NFL is right now. Right? And I talked about this a few weeks ago. There's no terrible teams this year and there's no dominant teams, although... There are times that Buffalo looks like they could be that dominant team. We have the Philadelphia Eagles at 6-0. and We have at the bottom, I don't have the standings in front of me. I don't think anyone's 0-6 oh at this point. But there's a lot of teams that are 2-4 and 3-3 and 3-2. And three and three and and it's a razor-thin margin in the middle of the NFL right now. And that really plays around with draft order. And just in case you haven't been paying attention, that fifth pick right now is the one that the Denver Broncos own. The Seahawks would draft higher right now with the Broncos pick that we acquired in the Russell Wilson trade than they would with their own native pick. And there's only one game separating those two teams. Broncos fall to two and four after losing to the Chargers on Monday night in overtime. And the Seahawks are three and three. We know that. And so here's what I did. I made one small trade later on. It was one of those trades that I kind of like to make. I think I moved down from 36 to 48 
and that, um, and I gave up 138, I think it was, to move up to 80. So you move down 12 spots, but you increase, you know, you move up about 40 spots, 50 spots with that other pick. So it gives us six picks in the top 80. And I went as far as pick 107. With the fifth, fifth pick in the draft, I went Jalen Carter. A little bit about Jalen Carter. Um, if you've heard the name, there are people who think he'll be in the running for the first pick in the draft. And it's an interesting history. He was a backup last year on that Georgia team. That's how loaded that Georgia defensive line was. And even as a rotational player on that team, came up with three sacks, eight and a half tackles for loss. He's 6'3", 300 pounds. He's quick. He can penetrate from the interior, but he can take on double teams. We saw it against Oregon in the opener this year. Ducks tried to double team him, and there were times he just pushed those guys back and collapsed the pocket. Problem this year with Jalen Carter is he hasn't been healthy. He's only played 65 snaps. He had a sprained ankle earlier, and now he's out for one to three weeks with a, a sprained MCL. Um, uh, he, he got cut block, kind of. A little bit of a controversial play. Um, so I don't know. Are there concerns about this guy's durability or not? We'll see. But from a talent standpoint, he goes five here. You don't have to look very far to find a lot of mock drafts out there where he's going top three. And then with the 14th pick, I didn't move up. I didn't want to give up a bunch of draft capital to move up. Uh, CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, Will Levis were all gone. If one of those guys falls, it's a no brainer. But I went Anthony Richardson. We've talked about him a little bit here on the show. He is about as raw as they come. He is also about as dynamic and exciting as they come when you talk about upside and ceiling. He's only 21 years old, 6'4", 232 pounds. Can't wait to see what he would do at the combine and what he would clock. He's probably a 4'4 guy at that size. And you look at his numbers and you don't get wowed. You look at the tape, you see some bad plays. But you also see some stuff that just makes you salivate. Only 56% completions, just under 1,400 yards passing, six touchdowns, seven interceptions. That doesn't look good. Pete doesn't like turning the ball over, right? But you're not drafting Anthony Richardson to play day one. You're not. This is a scenario where Geno Smith is your quarterback next year and beyond. And Anthony Richardson doesn't have to play right away. But you see the growth. Last four games, six touchdowns, three interceptions. He plays against a high level of competition. But he's also a dynamic runner. 395 yards on the ground, six touchdowns, a long of 81. He averages 7.1 yards per carry. And the things you hear about this kid as far as character and makeup and what he's like as a worker and a leader and in the locker room are off the charts. I see him potentially as an ideal guy to groom behind Geno Smith. There won't be the pressure on him to play right away, but you can sure as heck use him in a Taysom Hill sort of scenario as a rookie in situations and get something out of him. But if you do it right with this kid and you ride with Chino for a couple of years, this guy's Cam Newton with a great attitude. 
Like that's how physically talented he is. Imagine Cam Cam Newton as a leader and a hard worker and a guy whose head is on straight and a guy who other people in the locker room look to. And we'll talk a little bit more about this scenario and how you can mix some things around a little bit later. So then we get into the second round. I want to stick with the defense. And I want to fortify that edge. I think I think there's a lot of talk now about this scheme, this new scheme, that wanting to move more to a traditional 3-4, but they just don't have the guys up front that really fit the system. Puna Ford kind of playing out of position on the edge. Tyree Wilson, Texas Tech, uh, 6'6", 275. And you watch his highlights and you see it all. You see him beat guys and bend around the edge. You see him on the interior. You see him taking on double teams. You see him transitioning speed to power uh six and a five and a half sacks a year ago or five and a half sacks so far this year seven a year ago um interesting player and again you can look at these big boards and there are other edge players in that range that you might like better and certainly as we get to april this will clarify itself but an interesting player just kind of shows you the type of value you could get as a a guy that can play as a as a rookie, I'd, you know, you think about that's about the range that Boye Mafe was drafted and he was 42nd, 43rd. I think Wilson has more upside. With the 48th pick in the second round, uh, DeMarvian Overshone, dripping with athleticism. Uh, this guy's a freak. 6'4", 223 pounds, a converted safety. And so you see the ability to get sideline to sideline. You see the coverage skills but he can also get after the quarterback, real long arms, real rangy, six and a half sacks, three interceptions in his career. Um, Really exciting player at that size. I was hoping to find an interior linebacker in this range that could be an upgrade over Cody Barton. And that's the one thing you're not going to see on this draft board, right? Um, But you can get that guy in free agency. You can identify him later in the draft, perhaps. You can trade for that guy. Um, but this is a player that can help you in, in two ways. Cause he's going to help you in coverage against these modern NFL offenses and playing a lot of nickel, but he can also get after the quarterback from the edge. Um, with the 68th pick, we got to address the interior offensive line. We love the tackles and we love the job Austin Blythe is doing as a center. Uh, but he's 30 years old. Um, he's become a bit of a journeyman at this point in his career. Um, and you just want to address that position. Kyle Fuller is not the answer. We don't feel good about him as as a backup if Blythe gets hurt, do we? In fact, Joey Hunt might be the better answer, who they recently just brought back onto the practice squad. Andrew Voorhees um, at guard. I talked about center, but let's address guard too. Damian Lewis, we were excited about him his, his rookie year. He's been a steady performer, the better of the two guards, um, either Gabe Jackson or Phil Haynes, whoever's playing on the right side. But there are those who think he played better as a rookie because he was on the right side. Voorhees has been a left guard for USC. Maybe you can consider moving Lewis back over to the right side. 6'6", 325, big guy, long arms. Really, once he gets you uh, engaged and gets his hands on you, makes it tough, gets to the second level. uh, Pancakes guys, mauls guys in the running game. Looks uh, athletic enough and aware enough. Head's always on a swivel in pass protection and, and plays in that system now at USC, that spread system under Lincoln Riley where... Uh, he's going to be polished as a pass protector. Uh, interesting player. Uh, with the 80th pick, Jalen Carley's out of Missouri. Safety, 6'3", 219. Built kind of like a strong safety, long and rangy, but has free safety skills as well. 
you'll see highlights of him coming up and hitting guys and you'll see highlights of him tracking balls down and making breaks on balls and, and making picks. Uh, Seahawks need to address safety. We like Ryan Neal and the job he's done. He's looked better than Josh Jones. And, you know, Jamal Adams could come back next year, um, but you got to protect yourself. And, and, and certainly Quandary Diggs not getting any younger. It'd be nice to have a guy that could play both those positions, but, but a guy that has starter upside, long-term starter upside. Jalen Carlis looks to fill that bill. And then at 107, A.T. Perry, uh, wide receiver Wake Forest. Um, long, rangy, 6'5", 210 pounds. Sam Hartman's um, kind of favored receiver there at Wake Forest, averaging 16.6 yards per catch. Um, really interesting player. really like him. Um, thought about going center there, um, and you easily could. Um, I'm blanking on the name now, the center out of Ohio State I was taking a look at that uh, that looked really good. But I think you can get some good value there um, at center. So that's it. Jalen Carter, Anthony Richardson, Tyree Wilson, DeMarvian Overshone, Andrew Voorhees, Jalen Carley's A.T. Perry. Um, what do you think? I would love the feedback. It's, uh, it's a chance to get your quarterback of the future without leveraging too many draft resources, any at all, really, and still adding a bunch of dynamic players to that defense that you can build around and add to what you already have there with your DBs and what we're seeing out of Mafe some of those other young guys, right? And I, I, I promised earlier I would come back and kind of reference it again. You can mix and match here all you want, right? If you think there's a guy at 14 that you like better defensively, maybe a better edge than Tyree Wilson, and you want to wait on quarterback still, you can do that. You could sell me on Hendon Hooker at 45, as good as he looks for Tennessee, as much as he protects the football, but also can drive the ball down the field. He looks like a Pete Carroll type quarterback. It looks a lot like Geno Smith, to be honest. But because he's an overaged player in some people's minds, I think he's going to be 24 on draft day. He might be slipping down draft boards. Some teams just, that absolutely turns them off, especially when you're talking about a franchise quarterback. So you could talk me into that. You could talk me into Alex Van Dyke at 45 and a better defensive player at 14. You could talk me into trading down from 14, picking up some extra capital, taking a guy like Van Dyke or Hooker a little bit later on if that player isn't there. So I'm not saying, <laughs> you know, because it always happens. It always happens. Someone will come up and say, Richards is terrible. There's no way Pete Carroll's going to. It's just an early look. All right. So I'll keep doing these every few weeks. We'll check in. Certainly during the bye week, I've got a, a, an extended look and a guest lined up. We're going to talk more specifically about the quarterbacks and do some, some draft scenarios. Uh, kind of look at first round targets, second round targets, third round targets. We're also going to talk about the idea of double dipping at the position at some point. Okay. We've seen teams do that before. Look what the Washington Redskins did. And I call them the Redskins because that's what they were called back then. When they took RG3 in the top three, took Kirk Cousins later on, who turned out to be the better quarterback. It's such an important position moving forward for the Seahawks. And this is such a deep class with a lot of interesting guys. You can get a guy in the fifth round like Jalen Hall from BYU or Sam Hartman from Wake Forest. 
maybe protect yourself. Anyway, uh, that's going to do it for now. I just uh, wanted to throw this at you uh, and get your feedback. Again, hit me up on Twitter at Seahawks Forever. Give me your feedback. Would love to hear what you think of this mock draft or if you have some other ideas or a favorite prospect at any one of these spots of your own. Uh, subscribe to the podcast so that you get notifications of new episodes. Uh, Dana and Mookie are recording a new episode tomorrow. Uh, and then I'm going to have Corbin Smith of All Seahawks and Locked On Seahawks on the show on Friday. We'll be previewing the Chargers game and kind of checking in on where the Seahawks are after seven games as well. So lots coming up. And of course, fieldgoals.com, all the coverage you need wall to wall every single day. Um, it's just the best web- website out there, and I'm happy to be affiliated with it. I am Dan Viennes. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon.